find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable. Many people hide a dark side that they feel that if others knew their secrets, it would be detrimental to their relationships. It doesn't need to be that way at all. This is where words can't reach. Shedding light on our dark side with your host, Dr. Madeline DeLittle can help. It's time for a frank and open discussion about the things that are bothering us and say what needs to be said. Dr. DeLittle and her guest experts are here to help you understand and provide advice. Now, here is Dr. Madeline DeLittle. Hello and welcome to Voice America Empowerment Channel. My name is Dr. Madeline DeLittle and you are listening to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on a Dark Side. This is primarily about shame and today's topic is on being creative and being creative in order to counter shame. And my guest today is Sheila Rubin, who is an international expert in healing shame and uh, she's also a therapist um, as well so welcome Sheila um, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show thank you so can we can we just start and uh, again and ask you what it is that uh, motivates you to do this work it's not easy work I'm sure it's not easy work um what motivates me is watching uh, so many of my clients um, get better after we work together and so many of my students who are therapists kind of begin to understand their own shame and their clients' shame and them getting better. But I think what motivates me was, um, you know, the shy little girl <laughs> that I was when I was a kid. Um, and I didn't know that, you know, shyness was shame-based, but that was what I felt. You know, when I was a little kid, it was like, just, you know, like, something's wrong with me. What's wrong with me? You know, I'm <laughs> trying to figure it out, trying to hide. Um, and so I think all of the things that I figured out in a lifetime, you know, to transform and to heal that that shyness and the shame that was underneath it. Yeah, I feel like those, um, they've also been very effective for a lot of my clients. Of course, I've trained as a therapist and drama therapist and many different things but I I think underneath it all is you know if I wish you know some teacher or somebody had been able to talk to that shy little girl and say hey you're gonna be okay you know you're really gonna be okay um Mm -hmm. so sometimes that's all it takes is encouragement this is a new concept for me, this connection between shyness and shame, because uh, we always think of it as as a, um, something that has been arises as a result of some traumatic event. Yes. And what you're saying is that's not necessarily the case. No, it, it actually, the emotion shame is a primary emotion. Mm-hmm. And so it just, you know, when somebody feels, you know, put down or like they're not going to do it right you know or just like maybe there's something that all the other people have all the other kids have that they don't have you know just kind of that self-doubt and all of the the shame voices that come up that is Mm. the emotion of shame Mm. can you give me an example of shame voices yeah um you know i had um You know, one of the clients that I worked with a long time ago, she worked 
as, um, you know, receptionist, not a receptionist, she was the office manager of, you know, seven different, um, you know, lawyers. And she just, you know, she was just like, uh, thinking she's not good enough, she can't do the work, she can't do the work, she can't, she's not good enough, what's wrong with her? And um, she would stay 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, she mm. would stay sometimes all night sleeping in her desk. She would have the work, you know, on their desk in the morning. And she just had this voices that just told her that, you know, that something's wrong with her, she couldn't do the work, you know, what was wrong with her? And then she actually ended up, um, it was, you know, it was very sad. She, she tried to take her life because she thought that there was something so wrong with her that she didn't know what to do. So she had a suicide attempt and ended up in the psych hospital where I was working. And I had an opportunity work to work with her on, you know, all the shame voices and all the things that were putting her down. And I, role played with her, you know, how to talk to, you know, the lawyers and how to tell them, you know, there's seven of you and you all give me work and I need to, you know, you need to give me less work. And I, I did a lot of work with her in, um, you know, uh, you know, just really deep work, um, you know, in the hospital to transform her depression, to find the way through the shame voices. But, I didn't, I, you know, I was missing one thing. And um, when she left there, she, you know, I said, so you're going to tell them, you know, (laughs) you're going out (laughs) to the real world. You know, it was a partial hospitalization program. So it was like, you know, it was like, you're going to tell them the things that we worked on here. You're going to tell them that you can't, you know, you can't take work from seven people and stay up all night. That's, you know, not okay, you know. Um, and she actually said, well, I don't need to tell them that. Um, they're going to realize by, um, you know, by my being in the hospital that they shouldn't give me so much work. And I was like, well, they're not going to realize that. Uh, no. Unless you, like, <laughs> tell them, you know, unless you, like, get really specific and tell them because they really yes. don't know. They think she's an amazing office, you know, manager, yeah. and they have no idea what. It, so, long story short, I had to develop this work called healthy shame, that transforms the, you know, toxic shame that she was in, into a healthy shame where she could say, "Hey, this is the big picture. Have compassion for herself, mm-hmm. and this is the big picture. I can't, you know, stay here till ten o'clock, midnight, all night. I can't." do this, you know, I need to do something different. And so talk to herself in a kind way, do something different, keep a little bit of the shame, not all of the shame, Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. be able to propel her forward into being able to ask for a change. She needed them to, you know, give her worse, you know, less work. And, you know, so that idea of healthy shame, Mm, lovely. Yeah. Lovely distinction between a little bit that you need just to keep yourself safe on the, give yourself a moral compass, as it were. Yes. And this other debilitating uh, part that just keeps you going and going. Yeah. I, I want you to speak more about inner voices. Like, do they come? Do they start with? 
other people's voices and then you internalize them or do, yeah. they, do, you, do, do we create our own? Well, um, you know, first there's a break, you know, Gershon Coffin has, you know, shame is the breaking of the interpersonal bridge. So it's that break, but, uh, that break of misunderstanding or um, just kind of like, a, you know, it could be loss of eye contact, it could be turning away, it could be, you know, you know, being on the cell phone instead of talking to the person, whatever it is, but some misattunement, misconnection, and then one person goes into, uh, well, what's wrong with me? You know, they know something's wrong with me. So there's the break between the, the self and another person, and then there's the break internally between self and self, and then the person is like looking inside and trying to figure out, oh, okay, well, if I fix this and this and this, then I'll be good enough. And so the break starts between two people, and then it mm. continues inside the person. And the sad thing is um, the person may spend so much time with that internal you know, they're just like, oh, you're gazing at your navel. But it's like this internal process when somebody's in a state of shame, all they can see is what they, they blew it. What's wrong with them? And so there are all these voices. It's not like voices, like, you know, voices. It's just like, usually it's their voice, you know, saying, you know, you blew it again. What's wrong with you? Why couldn't you get yeah. it right? Yeah. And then, I, mean, I mean, I hear my mother's voice all the right. time. You know? like, <laughs> she's with me, for heaven's sake, she's with me. Is that is that what we're talking about? Like, that's, I'm laughing because you know, <laughs> you are probably the 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 thousandth person to say they hear their mother's voice yes, or their mother's voice. Whoever first said to them, you know, you have to shine your shoes or you have to have you know your your outfit you know, ready to whatever, why are you in your muddy clothes, why are you in the sandbox, whatever it was, you know, whatever it was, the yeah. parents unintentionally, you know, letting the kid know that they were not measuring up. And so often it's the parent's voice we hear. Right. That, that, that makes sense. Thank you. So it sort of, it starts outside and then it becomes a part of us. It's not like we're hallucinating. That's what we want to make the difference that we're not. Right, right. These are not, <laughs> I'm glad you're saying that. And I'm laughing because I want to keep this light. Yeah. Um, and I want to have like a, the funny spin on this is like, you're not hallucinating. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Okay. <laughs> so this is so real. The, the, bad, the downside is that, right. I, that, that there's when we can't cope with the right. example you gave of this woman in the lawyer's office. Right. I mean, they ultimately to stop this this sense of never being good enough, she looked at taking her life, yes. and other people would take to what other is that where addictions start? Where where exactly. um. Exactly. That's where addictions start. You know, there's a shame base to addictions. And so that is, you know, when when somebody is not able to deal with shame, shame is the most painful feeling there is. Mm -hmm. And so it splits off into four directions. Attack self, which is the, you know, blaming the self. Attack other, which is blaming somebody else. Um, uh, deny 
and the denial is the addictions and then withdraw is that just to pull away. And so a lot of addictions, you know, people are, you know, they didn't measure up at work or they didn't measure up on a date. And so they end up, you know, drinking and they have the first drink to make them feel better. And then they're ashamed that they're drinking again. And then there's more shame. And so they have to drink to cover the shame. Mm. And it's, you know, it's painful and it's so debilitating mm. because it goes round and round and then yeah. the person can't get out of their own way because there's shame around the drinking and then they drink to deal with the shame. And the way out is to be able to really, you know, begin to see the big picture, you know, really begin to see the big picture. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, you cannot imagine what is possible if a person just stops for five minutes or for one second and says, wait a minute, mm-hmm. what am I feeling? I'm feeling pretty upset right now. Yeah. I just got, you know the call from a boss and I don't know what she's going to say or wait a minute I just got you know turned on I'm not going to have the day whatever it is if a person could pause at that moment and go wow what am I feeling this really hurts you know this is embarrassing you know this Mm. is really shocking or embarrassing or shaming you know or humiliating I don't want anybody to know this or whatever. If they could just and be with them in a, like with a kind voice, not the, you know, the fix everything voice, the inner Mm. critic to say, you've got to fix this. You don't know that you feel this. You've got to read all these books Mm. and fix all this. But the kind voice that says, whoa, wait a minute, Mm. you know, really slow down. I, I love the language here that you're giving people, giving to our listeners. It's, it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. Yeah. This is really hurtful. Yeah. As opposed to the other part, which is to attack others, which is right. to blame and to, uh, to, to put it onto someone else rather than yeah. experiencing it. Experiencing the discomfort of the whole thing. Yeah, and that is so difficult to do. Yeah, yes, and yes. You know, it's like, it's so difficult that there's like mini steps. <laughs> you know, there's like yes. mini steps. It's like the first one is like, you know, be kind, you know, have a kind voice. And if you can't do it, you know, just kind of be kind. You know, it's like, um, just like, you know, imagine like a kind teacher, not a mean teacher, mm-hmm. but like imagine, remember a kind teacher's voice that would say, oh, you're doing just fine, you know. Mm. But you have to do it to yourself. Like you have to do it to yourself. Ooh. And you have yes. to, you know, but if it's hard to transition into doing that. Mm-hmm. If we've been, you know, a lot of people have all pervasive shame and they've had a lifetime yes. of putting themselves down. They have the parents' voice and they're putting them down. And, mm-hmm. you know, so yes. just kind of like stop that and say, wow, in this moment, I can't fix anything. But in this moment, 
I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to be kind to myself. That's a lovely a lovely takeaway from this session, Sheila, that it all begins with self-kindness or self-compassion. Yes. And, and to to slow it down, to slow yeah. that reactivity down, the old default ways of behaving. Right. And to just say, okay, <laughs> that hurt. Mm-hmm. And just, that, that's beautiful. I, I hope the listeners can take that away and, and just even that would be really, it's really a real, really important first step for, for folks. I mean, I don't, why, why is, I don't know if this is the right way to begin this question, but what on earth does purpose does shame have? Like, why are we put through this grinder of horrendous experiences of self-imposed? I'm really glad you asked that question. Um, you know, it is so important to be able to understand this question. There is a reason we are wired, you know, um, we are, you know, Sue Johnson says we're wired to connect. We are wired to connect. And the shame function, you know, is our adding to this, you know, we are wired to connect in a way that is going to be, um, you know, healthy and, um, you know, keep a person alive. And if somebody, you know, like says something to, a, you know, a parent, like even, you know, a little kid can say, you know, you don't know anything, you know, and the parent, yes. you know, slaps them across the room. You know, and <laughs> some of these, you know, you know, we're laughing, but it's like, yeah. you know, some of these violent families, yeah. you know, yeah. they just like the, the attack other comes mm-hmm. out in the parent. And so we're, we're wired to be able to shame, um, you know, uh, joins with affect and it reduces affect. So if we're really angry, shame reduces that anger so that we don't, you know, jump up and say, who are you? What are oh, you? You know, I it see. reduces it. And we, we have like to pull in and we have the time to reflect on, do I really want to ask for the raise right now? Do I really want to, you know, tell the parent that they blew it? You know, do, is this, you know, this is what's coming up with the anger. But the shame is there to hold on to the anger or all the different emotions and temper yeah. them so that we can pull in and, you know, pull in and pull in. It's a survival mechanism. Like, imagine, like, um... You know, you know, like little lion cubs and the mother, you know, the lion pride and the lions are like, oh, we're going to go explore. Mom is out hunting. We're going to go explore, you know. And then there's like a, you know, let's say a hyena, you know, and they freeze. They freeze in the shame freeze. It freezes the nervous system so that they freeze the hyena doesn't notice them or maybe they don't leave the nest. They just kind of, you know, hang on, yes. you know, and they don't get eaten because the shame in the nervous system wires, this is not safe. This is not a time to explore. So it's about the the, the, the body system can pick up non-verbally yes. that it's not safe. Yes. And, they, and shut, so they shut down, shut it back. Yeah, and then and so it's a very old mechanism, very, very old. old. 
But it's, it, you know, every family, you know, it's, you know, people are, you know, we don't want to shame children, but there it does need to be a little bit of healthy shame so that they know you don't run across the street, you know. Mm-hmm. You need to be a way to teach them, you know, if you run across the street, you could get hit by a car. How are they going to learn that? Mm-hmm. You know, and so a lot of families, you know, they yell at the kid, you get back here, you know, and it's like, and the kid goes into shame because they're like, oh, you know, and if the parent then hugs them and says, I didn't mean to shame you, I didn't mean to scare you, but I really can't lose you. Mm-hmm. I can't bear mm-hmm. to have you hit by a car. So I yelled because there was a car coming, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so that repair can repair, you know. Anyway, so, I mean, there's levels and levels of, of um, complexity to this. And in every family, they teach, you know, what what's okay and what's not okay in different ways. And every family is different. And then kids go to school. And, you know, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate is different. And then law enforcement, what's appropriate in community oh, yes. is different. So it's like... We have shame in societies to let people know what's appropriate in society, what's not appropriate, and this idea of healthy shame. That mm-hmm. if there was a way that we know, yeah, it's not appropriate to have, you know, um, you know, go out with somebody that is, you know, you know, all these, you know, people that are doing porn, they should be ashamed of, you know, of young <laughs> children on porn. You know, they should be of dating, wanting to date somebody younger. That should be a shame response. And so, you know, understanding that healthy shame actually keeps us, you know, appropriate and, you know, doing what is, you know, hopefully, um, you know, can lead us in a positive direction, but the toxic shame can get in the way. Mm. What about, what about what I feel stuck? You know, I feel stuck. I can't think. Is is that, is that shame? Is that the same yes. thing? Yes, is it? exactly. Can you speak about that a bit more? I'm so glad you asked that question. <laughs> I feel stuck um, is a physiological reaction that's what's going on with shame. When a person is feeling shame in their body, they are feeling stuck, absolute stuck. And that is what it feels like. The brain might be stuck. The nervous system might be stuck. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're physiologically, one guy called it his, you know, getting lazy. He's, you know, sitting on the couch, can't get off the couch. He's putting himself down for it. I said, maybe that is the physiological reaction of shame. Maybe that is shame telling your nervous system to shut down. You know, maybe that is what is, you know, happening. And and for people to know that that is shame is so counter-shaming. Because then it's like, how many times have they gotten stuck? And to be able to say, okay, I'm stuck. That's not me. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm in a state of shame. Mm. How can I talk to myself in a kind way? What do I need right now? And what do I need in the bigger picture to deal with that shame? So when we're going to, um, no, let, I just want to stay with that for a minute. Yeah. So. Um, 
So when we're in a state of freeze, we're not able to think. That front part of our brain, right. prefrontal cortex, right. isn't online. There's sort right. of the two, the two can't go together. So you're either. So when you're in this freeze response, what you're saying is there's no ability to to talk your way out of it. So you would you would need someone else, would you not, right. just well, to help you? Actually, you know, we learn all these years: fight or flight, fight or flight, fight or flight. This is the freeze. This right. is the freeze of trauma, and this is the freeze of shame. And it's kind of a fawn, it's a cling, it might be an all-out freeze, um, but there's ways of dealing with it if a person knows that this is what's going to happen when they get up in front of a class, they can learn, okay, I'm going to hold my hand, or I'm going to have my lucky squish ball, you know, you know, and, you know, squish the lucky squish ball. Finding a way to physically mm-hmm. get out of the freeze by, you know, having those lucky squish balls, um, you know, or a, um, you know, tapping, you know, the foot or even holding oh, your own hand. Okay. That's another hold, good, good. You can hold your own hand. Oh, <laughs> you, that's so lovely. You can connect say, yourself. Yeah. It's like, I got you, you know. I know you're frozen, but I got you, and I'm holding your hand right here. And it sounds really silly while we're talking about this. <laughs> but very but doable in any circumstance. Very doable. In a freeze, you can you can hold your own hand, or you can even say, I can take a little breath. I can mm-hmm. take a little breath right now. That's really lovely. And that's something that our listeners can take away with them, is to breathe, to hold their own hands, and to do give themselves some soothing comments while they come out of that very stuck place. Yes. So, Sheila, I want to hear more about the, the creativity and, and countering shame after the break. Right. And uh, so can we come back in a couple of minutes? Sure. And we'll uh, want to talk about how we can b- bring in that imagination and creativity. Yes. yes. See, you in, see you in a bit. So Lovely. <laughs> Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. 
If you want to know more about how to work with children and adults to transform shame, depression, loss, and anxiety, order Dr. Galoodle's book, Where Words Can't Reach, Neuroscience and the Satir Model in the Sand Tray. The book is available online from Dr. DeLittle's website, wherewordscannotreach.com. Dr. DeLittle also conducts workshops and can come to your workplace or organization. If you wish to have Dr. DeLittle come and do a two-day workshop on an introduction to neuroscience and satire in the sand tray, please contact her at mdelittle at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. are tuned into where words can't reach shedding light on our dark side we'd love to hear from you with any stories suggestions or questions by sending an email to m at gmail.com here again is dr madeline delittle Welcome back to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side. My guest today is Sheila Rubin, and we're talking about shame and how to counter shame with creativity. And welcome back, Sheila. Hello. So <laughs> tell us, do tell us about countering shame with creativity. Yeah. Well, um, since shame is the most painful emotion, um, I've figured out all these ways of getting out of the shame freeze and getting out of, you know, all the different, you know, (laughs) negative voices. Um, You know, one is just, you know, to tell the voice to, you know, shut up or don't talk to me now. But um, for some people, I have them uh, take a little box, um, you know, just kind of a little, uh, you know, little, little box that has a clasp, and they can write down all the things that the voice is telling them. You're this. Mm-hmm. You're that. You're this. You're that. All the negative things. Write them down on a little piece of paper. Fold them up. Put them in this box and close the box. And then just kind of like over time, there's going to be a lot of things mm-hmm. in this box and so sometimes I'll have people you know uh, take them out and put them on a you know put them on if they have a compost they can put them on the in the compost you know <laughs> and just kind of like recycled shame <laughs> exactly recycle the shame um, or you know the whole idea of you know countering the shame it's like if you use creativity to counter the shame, we end up with something completely different. We ha- come up with a positive feeling. Like I, I had some shame come up the other day, and I, um, I went outside and I just I painted it on the side. You know, I painted it on, you know, the side of a garage, and I just I'm like, okay, this is going to be a pot of, you know. The shame that comes up, you know, if I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do this interview, and then there's a part of me going, what if I can't remember? What if this? What if that? So I painted all those things, you know, the blue and the black and the brown and all these, like, shame thoughts, you know, from the past. it's, It's so old, but it still comes up. So then I painted them in this plant pot. And I'm like, okay, you know, are there more? Okay, p- 
painted more. And then out of that, I took some other colors. I took some white and some orange and some yellow. And I took, I mixed it with the black and the, you know, and the dark colors, blue and just, and I mixed it and I started growing this um, uh, plant out of the plant pot. And so out of those dark colors in the shame pot, it's like, here's these flowers and they're just beautiful. And I noticed this leaf and that leaf and this leaf and that leaf. And this is something that, you know. I have like clients do. They mm. love it. It sounds mm. really silly when I'm like, no. we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do this stuff, and they're like, oh yeah, right. But it feels so good, and I tell them it really works, and I do it myself. So I looked right before the show today, and I looked, and there's like beautiful plant pot of all these beautiful flowers coming out nice. of it. Love and it's just, Lovely. it's really really beautiful so, so out of something so negative can it, there's this transformation into something very beautiful and that is the key of transforming shame because you know we may or may not be able to affect how another person talks to us or says something or thinks about mm. us or whatever <laughs> whatever no we you can't know, control that can we, we can't we've got no control, control of it but we can control how we respond you know we can be creative with it you know another creative way that I tell my clients is just like you know take all the shaming voices they've had and put them into pieces of tissue paper and 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 stick it together you know and make like a you know make something bridging what they used to be you know kind of this gunk or whatever of the the toxic shame and now you know the next picture is kind of like growing out of that maybe it has roots maybe it takes you know maybe it comes alive and maybe it's a different kind of plant and maybe this is a a beautiful plant that has all kinds of you know you know different colors or different this or different that but just kind of like allowing something different to happen and in that act of transforming something we get to feel like we're doing something the self-esteem improves the negative voices they they might still be there going what is this this is really stupid or you're really stupid and then you put that in there too and you're like okay that's part of this picture beautiful and so it ends up with this really beautiful thing yeah Sheila, I, I can't help but um, think about also how there's a mantra in my head, which is you're not good enough. That, yes. Right. And yet, I wouldn't want to give that up. Right. Because it's, it's been so motivating. I wouldn't be on this radio show if I hadn't had, had this. Now, there's been a cost to it. Yes. But, you know, how do you... How do you appreciate that that and not see it as always negative? And, and, and you know, how do you? Is that what we're talking about? Here? That's what we're talking about. And you know, that voice. You know, when I worked with the women who had an eating disorder, that's what they had underneath the eating disorder was you're not good enough. And so I was able to work with that voice. That's the inner critic. I was able to tell them first to gently sit next to the voice like a good friend, <laughs> you know, maybe wrap that voice and in, in a, you know, a blanket or, you know, give that voice, you know, 
you know, you can lock it in the closet, you know. <laughs> yes. Or you can give it. You I want to embrace it somehow, not not lock it away, but embrace the part that yeah. sort of separate out the negative from the positive. Yes. And the, the key to this is that voice got you where you were. Yeah. You know, so many of my clients, you know, all of the people that I work with in, you know, my couples work and in my individual work, many of them have this voice. And, you know, it's like I have one woman and she can't talk about, you know, the discrepancy in money between her, you know, and her partner because, you know, she's like, well, if I tell him, you know, X, Y, and Z, he's going to think, you know, but, you know, she's working, you know, as a teacher and she's not Mm -hmm. earning enough. And, you know, and so she's shaming herself and she's like, she's not good enough. And I had to like kind of say that, you know, you're great, but the field that you chose just doesn't pay you enough. And you need to be able to stand on a different foundation to say, I am good enough and I'm good enough. And this is why. And you can like put all these, you know, these things that you've done underneath, <laughs> underneath that. Or, you know, we want to figure out that voice that says you're not good enough, that voice that gets somebody to do advanced education or read extra books or <laughs> take extra <laughs> workshops or listen to extra radio shows. That is an important voice. And so we want to thank it some of the time. Yes, yes. Thank you for getting Thank me here. Thank you. Thank you, voice. <laughs> give it a hug. Oh, dear. Sometimes it's... Uh... And then give it a backseat. Yes, that's the key. It doesn't need to be driving the car. It's like a little kid in the back of the seat. It needs to be strapped in, in a car seat. It needs to... It's like, I only want your advice, you know. From, <laughs> yeah, that's you know. right. When I ask for it. <laughs> right. That part has yeah. important information. That part has the memory mm-hmm. of when you were put down in the past. That part has, you know, you know, all of the times a lot of my clients have this whole trajectory of all the times in their life that they felt they were not good enough. And we can slowly go back gently, gently, gently in therapy to each of those times and spin it in a different direction. It's like if you had had support, if you had had a kind voice, if you had had something different, what would that be? And we spin it around and we find the dignity and the self-esteem and we find the positive forward direction that the person could have had at that point in their life. And it's like, okay, now... We're embracing that. How do we move forward together? Because that voice that said you're not good enough, that voice does know something. They do know. <laughs> yes. It do know some things that you can improve. You know, That's you can right. improve yes. these yes. things, but not 50 of them, just one. <laughs> and I have to say, it seems like it's it's this happens in the most healthy, loving, caring families. That this isn't something yes. that is um, that one certain group have a monopoly of. It seems to me that it's the best intentions sometimes yes. that brings this about, or or just com- just. What goes on the family dynamics that you watch as a child? You watch what's being said to other members, other siblings. I, I'm sort of yeah. 
projecting on my own family here, how you how you look at other family members and what's said to them. Yes. And, th- and then you make meaning of that and so forth and so forth. Yeah. And, and everybody makes meaning of how people were shamed in the family. And, you know, we, you know, it's survival information and we figure out, you know, how we need to be, how we need to survive, how we need to be, you know, maybe a perfectionist or to do more or whatever, um, you know, and so listening to that voice, thanking it, saying, I understand why I have you. Mm. I don't need you to be running, you know, my life right now, but I do need you for discernment. This is a discerning voice that can actually help with, you know, you know, very specific information. You know, should I do one program or 10 programs? Should I, you know, it's like kind of like figuring out, um, you know, sometimes less is more and letting that voice, you know, giving it a little bit. It's like, okay, of these 10 things, which is the one should I do? And, and consulting it and, you know, telling the voice, stop putting you down. You've got you know, all of that handled, you just want help with this one, you know, this one instance. And I, I love that idea of separating it out. Yes. Sort of, um, yeah, separating out the, the negative from the from the really helpful discerning part and, and being able to let go of some of it, but keep, yes. not, not dismissing it all. But put, say, I love that idea of putting it in the back, back seat and, and <laughs> with headphones on and not listening, you know, not speaking. And, and, right. <laughs> and, and the key of it is just kind of like, no matter how many times that comes up to just say, you know, I hear you. I'm not listening to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm doing something else. That's I hear good. you. We'll talk later. Oh, um, And then actually finding, you know, there's a protector that we can find for that part that got shamed in childhood. We can find, you know, I'm a drama therapist and we can go back and we can reenact scenes from childhood and we can rewrite the story. We can have a new script where there's a protector where somebody comes in and maybe it's like police officer that says stop putting your child down or you know some you know something yeah you know I had the lady across the street who was so incredibly kind and she said you know Sheila can hold her own and I didn't even know what that meant but you know having her say that and see me in a different way was you know was like what um and was so helpful because I could still think back and it's like yeah she actually could see me. You know, she actually had a vision of me as being okay. It, see, it seems to me that um, the negative voices have more power than the positive ones. Yes. These, these messages. Why, you know, so many, we had so many good messages. Yes. And yet we seem to hang on. Well, what's that about? How do we? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. I believe that... Um, you know, kind of like the, you know, the, the, the part that tries to reenact uh, trauma or the part that tries to go back to the moment where we were shamed. It's like there's something in our psyche that's trying to have a, a repair 
or mm. organicity or a you know ah. something that works out differently this time and so this is why sometimes people keep doing the same thing multiple times and hoping that it will be different and it's like and then shaming them <laughs> so, so I tell my clients you know and the woman who's like you know uh, dating someone who has you know, similar things to her ex-husband who had, you know, a porn addiction and this guy's like on his cell phone all the time. And I'm like, she's like, I get this feeling in my belly, you know, and I'm like, okay, you need to pay attention to that feeling in your belly. Cause like that is telling you that, you know, there's something, you know, from the first experience where she got so shamed and had to, you know, get divorced because, you know, the guy was lying about not just about porn, but many different things that she got out of that. And she did therapy and she reclaimed her life. Now she is five years later starting to date. And it's like, you know, when she started working with me, I told her that there's something called healthy shame mm. and I was going to help her have a little bit of a healthy shame. She needed to keep just a tiny bit of what right. happened in the right. terrible experience. Just a little bit of that, not the toxic shame that right. was dragging her down and taking her for five years <laughs> before she could even date again. But we're going to transform it into healthy shame. And it's like, you need to take a tiny little bit of that feeling of, shame that something Mm. might not be right in this situation Mm. so that she could pay attention to her own nervous system and her own Mm. cues that something might not be right and then you know we could talk about it in therapy or she could talk about it with her friends and say well maybe this guy isn't all that he is showing me that he is that healthy shame can help us really have a much better life that healthy shame can transform you know the shame messages and can help us have the bigger picture compassion about ourselves empathy about ourselves we can go back and have precision about what we didn't say to that person that we need lovely what we would have we could what we would like to have said yeah, and we don't say it in real life necessarily. Usually it's just in yeah. the imaginal realm. We like yeah. write a letter that we don't send or right. we act it out, you know, an improvisation or a play. We act it out, what we would have said. And then we keep a little bit of the healthy shame to keep us, um, you know, honest with ourselves mm. and growing and thriving and having the creativity the creativity is all about planting new seeds and growing these new seeds of the self of the self-esteem all these women tell me that they feel empty you know in their bellies they feel empty you know and i'm like of course you feel empty you need to plant some seeds let's plant let's draw the picture of the seeds of the creativity sorry we we don't have much time and and you um conflated the word trauma with shame and i i wonder if you can are the two synonymous or can you talk talk just in a two or three minutes that we have left about trauma and shame where there's shame uh well where there's trauma there's shame by definition 
Yes, there's always shame where there's trauma. Oh, okay. and, 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 and in my understanding and the way that I work with shame and trauma, I have to address the shame and the trauma, um, you know, one and the other and one and the other, and we go back and forth. When there's shame, there may be trauma as well. There may be developmental trauma because a person may not have gone on to the next developmental stage because they got stuck in the thinking that there was something, there was a flaw with them or thinking that they're, you know, believing the shame message. Okay, so we're not talking big trauma with a big capital T. We're well, talking we, we little. are. There's, oh, okay. There's big trauma with a big capital T that has shame attached to it. And then we have all the little traumas every time there is a little misattunement where somebody goes into shame instead of making eye contact and saying, mm. yeah, I am late for the meeting or mm. yeah, I am, you know, <laughs> whatever mm. it is, you know, or, you know, I don't know what this person thinks of me. You know, but instead of spitting out into the shame that gets triggered, the person, you know, is able to stay in that moment. There's, um, you know, maybe for a lot of people, a lifetime of memories where the shame came up and prevented them from, you know, moving forward. And for some people, it's, you know, multiple times a day, you know. Whoa. Wow. And it seems to me that... I, I, I hope some teachers are listening to this because um, I certainly grew up in England in, in the 50s and 60s and uh, my sense was there was a lot of shaming that controls, to, to control. I mean, it's, it's not done to be harmful. It's just done to control the, the classroom and or to, yes. and, you know, can you speak to that a little bit about yeah, how, you know, how teachers could, could do things differently? Yes, I, before I talk about teachers doing something differently, I want to go, say go. a cultural reference to this very thing in England, being shamed. I don't know how many of you, it's many years older now, but the wall was a, you know, very famous, um, you know, rock, um, you know, phenomenon, you know, in England. And I finally listened to it, you know, it was on American TV recently, and I finally like watched What is the Wall?, and it's really, um, you know, somebody in 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 the rock and roll uh, genre singing about being shamed in school mm. from the teacher and how debilitating that was for him. And you hear the voice of the teacher, and you this know, is Pink and, Floyd, isn't it? Pink Floyd, yes. We don't exactly. need no revolution. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's Pink Floyd talking back to. What happened to one of them or all of them in the education system there? So I'm in America. I'm here. We have a different system here. You know, everything that happens, unfortunately, we're trying. You know, I wish I could say to teachers, you know, be kind, you know, be kind to your kids. Be kind with your comments. They are trying their best. And when they get, you know, the marks on their paper, they take it to heart. Absolutely. And a lot of the kids that turn into bullies are, you know, they're bullies because they don't know how to pass in the class. And they, they become bullies and, 
with other kids. They try to bully the teacher. There's so many, I, you know, I'd love to do a show on, yes. you know, education. Let's do it. Let's do it because it is a, it's not intentional and there's some wonderful teachers. I myself am a, a classroom teacher from way back. Wonderful. Um, but it's, it's 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 not easy to to manage daily, and so l- let's let's uh, table this, Sheila, and get and and get back to this. We we just have a couple of minutes left. I wonder if you could just speak to your uh, your 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 workshops and your and your free stuff yes, that you have yeah, on the website. Stuff. Yes, yeah, on our on our website we have the uh, strength, resilience, and hidden shame guidebook. And it's free. So if you go to www.healingshame.com uh-huh. and go all the way down and press, you know, um, you know, download, you can download. It's absolutely free. Um, and then there's free uh, articles about shame is, what shame is, how it shows up. Um, and I'd love for people to read and let us know what, what you think of the articles. We also have... Uh, free webinars on our website, www.healingshame.com. And we also have um, CE workshops for people that want to train with us. Usually therapists or teachers or nurses want to do training with us for CEs, um, continuing education credits where, where the Center for Healing Shame is a CE provider. So we have like... Um, nine different full workshops of 13 hours where you can learn all the different aspects of shame, how to work with it, and, uh, you know, just levels of wonderful, wonderful things in those. This sounds like a life purpose, Sheila. This sounds like your, your, your mission in life. Yes, yes, yes. It has been my life purpose. It is a real honor to talk with you because, um, that shy little girl mm-hmm. <laughs> that I was that became a therapist and learned all about, you know, working with shame and all these different ways and all these different modalities. Um, you know, I just wish, you know, I did have kind teachers and I was smart. So mm-hmm. I did, I did get that wonderful accolades in school, but I wish that I could, you know, thank my teachers for being so kind to me, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I wish somebody had said, you're shy, that's shame, I know <laughs> how to work with it. Oh, Sheila, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute so pleasure talking You're to you so and getting welcome. to know you. And so you've been listening so to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side. And so turn in, tune in next week to hear more about uh, this topic on shame. And if you um, if you want to email me at mdalittle at gmail.com or Sheila at Sheila at healing healingshame.com please write us and uh, we'll get back to you with some answers so until until next time uh, keep hugging yourself and holding your hands when that shame comes up Thank you for listening this week to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle. Please join us for another edition of the program next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.